In this, the third episode of The Culture Chain, we talk to three venue programmers, Cheryl Pierce from Creative Folkestone, Ian Morley from the Civic in Barnsley, and Vicky Hargreaves from The Point in Eastleigh. We talk about how they support artists, ways in which they like artists to approach them, and what they themselves can do to improve the way the sector functions. Cheryl Pierce is Head of Performing Arts and Learning at Creative Folkestone, a visionary arts charity that believes everyone is creative and that creativity has the power to change people and places for the better. Creative Folkestone enables people's creativity to flourish, enriching the town and those who live in or visit it. They look after five projects, Folkestone Artworks, Folkestone Book Festival, Creative Quarter, Folkestone Triennial and Quarterhouse, the venue. Ian Morley is Head of Programming and Artist Development at the Civic Barnsley, a small to mid-scale arts centre located in South Yorkshire. The Civic programmes a varied and dynamic cross-section of visual and performance art alongside their dedicated artist development programme. They commission and co-commission new work and actively seek partners and artists to work with in their region. And Vicky Hargreaves, Artist Development Producer at The Point in Eastleigh a multi-art form venue in Hampshire. Vicky's worked for the organisation for 12 years, alongside her portfolio career as a maker, arts manager and facilitator. The Point is owned and managed by Eastleigh Borough Council and has been operating as an arts centre since 1996, becoming an Arts Council England National Portfolio Organisation in 2015. Hello guys, thank you for coming. Hello. Thank you for inviting us. <laughs> a pleasure thanks for making the journey here um, I'm going to start by just telling you that there are a set of assumptions at the heart of the season of, pod of podcasts and they are as follows everyone we are talking to works extremely hard and probably uh, probably works more hours than they are paid to everyone cares passionately about dance its importance and its potential and everyone shares goals with everyone else in this cultural chain that we've identified and I want to be clear that you guys are here because you all have a reputation for being committed to the promotion, presentation and development of dance and therefore you work with dance makers, dance audiences and potential dance audiences as well. As you know, the focus of this conversation uh, is the presenting and touring of work made by independent artists. So, um, I'm going to start by getting the lie of the land, see how it is for you guys. Uh, Ian? Um, can you tell us how it's going for you and Barnsley Civic in terms of yeah, growing dance audiences? I'd probably say slowly. Um, we are 10 year old as a venue now. Mm -hmm. um, we've been programming dance maybe between six and eight shows a year uh, for the past 10 years. Uh, the audiences come out for the known work, also the kind of known companies. I'll give an example, say Phoenix Dance, mm -hmm. kind of Leeds based. So they've got a reputation within our area and the audience will come to them. Um, when I program, I suppose, the less known contemporary dance practitioners and companies, it's a struggle. Mm. But we are slowly getting there. Audiences, are they tend to creep up, but it's not a huge jump. What size venue do they play in? Uh, our space for dance is 284. Can go up to 336, but in, for sight lines, I reduce the size of the rake and okay. kind of make it a bit more kind of accessible for, I suppose, for vision sight lines. Okay, yeah. it's a nice size. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. We've had conversations with, with the artists about yeah. how there's a studio scale and then there's a quite a big hike to mm -hmm. the next one and maybe you're in that We're middle. kind of in the middle, yeah, but I think the way. challenge sometimes is then finding the work that sits in the middle. Yeah, well, um, because if yeah. there's not many venues like that, then the work doesn't tend to look like that. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And yeah. sometimes it's, I suppose, the, the largest largest shows, the cost of them is quite prohibitive to us, whilst the smaller shows, they're still relatively costly, but it's, are we going to get an audience for that? Yeah. I don't know. So it's a challenge a little bit with that. And capacity, is there an average? No. Oh. It really varies. It might go from, I'll be honest, 20 up to yeah. 250. So it really depends on the show, the product, the company, the engagement we've had with them, their relationship with, I suppose, our area, our audience. So it massively varies. Okay, but you feel it's growing and it's yeah, yeah, a yeah. positive mm -hmm. thing. Great. Yeah, yeah. Okay. in general, it's going the right way. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. Cheryl, how about for you? Different setup. Yeah, so we're at Folkestone Quarterhouse. We're relatively new to dance programming, although. I am not new no. to dance programming, um, so it's something I'm introducing into the program there. So the same, the venue is about 10 years old, um, and in the last two years I've been introducing 
dance into a programme that did before that and, and still does include physical theatre, circus, mm. which always does very well. So I felt relatively confident that introducing dance into the programme wasn't going to be a massive leap. Um, but I have been quite careful about what dance I've been programming, knowing that a more uh, that an audience familiar with circus might like a certain type of dance. Yeah, okay. So, um, so I guess I've been I've been booking um, more the dance with a theme, so more theatre dance, um, and probably from companies that are, are slightly better known. We don't have so many seats. So um, our seating capacity for theatre is 194. And sometimes for dance, I will take some seats out because our stage isn't massive. So, so I guess I'm probably looking at about 150 seats for dance. Um, and and I, think we, I think we've done quite well over the last couple of years. We've had some, we've had some big hits. Um, James Wilton Dance did very well. Last season, Lost Dog came with Juliet and Romeo, um, also sold really well. Um, and then we've had some misses as well. Um, so probably the more experimental, more abstract work hasn't sold as well. Um, but um, I'm, I'm just trying out a lot of different things. So well, I'm just kind of seeing how it goes, trying, trying to find what works, what doesn't work, mm -hmm. and then and then trying to develop an audience because I don't want not to. I mean, the, I guess the kind of work that doesn't sell so well is probably the work that I like most. So, but then, but I, I need to be aware of what the audience um, wants and likes. And so I'm kind of always balancing that between what mm -hmm. I like and what the audience might like, trying to find a nice middle ground. There. And if a show doesn't sell well, but you think it's quality work, yeah. can, you, can you have them back? Is that, are you in the position where you can develop this relationship or? Yeah, I don't, I, I, I certainly wouldn't say no. I probably would have more of a conversation with the, with the company or the artist the next time. Yeah. Um, and, and usually whilst I'm sitting watching a show, I, I go, oh, I know what, the audience for this is now right. or so uh, even if I've seen the show before I'll you know, get yeah. so busy that you can oh I completely forgot that I could have approached <laughs> these people to come to this show so um, yeah so kind of that building of an awareness of, of the kind of people who might like this kind of work certainly doesn't preclude me booking the company again and again the, the same really with regard to audiences it can be anything from 20, 30 people up to 150. Right. And what about for you, Vicky, at the point? Yes, so um, we are a little bit older. We've been running and making, uh, putting on dance for 26 years. Um, and across that time, the audiences have fluctuated. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we're in a position now where we've invested a lot in the building and the infrastructure of how we can then make it an optimum space to um, put dance on. Um, we are a, a venue that we have a 300, um, just over 300 capacity, but sometimes we will scale that back as well, just like the other venues. Mm. Um, but we also have our creation space attached to the building, which is a space for artists to come and play, to make, um, and to be in the space with us. So the dance um, ecology has, I've been there for 12 years, and it, I've seen it drop i've seen it come back up again um, i've seen audiences um, loving really fierce independent abstract work and then audiences um, coming because of the names of larger companies as well so we're in a position at the moment where we are programming dance alongside a number of um, other art forms and we are a multi-arts venue yeah. whereas before we were looking primarily at dance um, and now that's changing and that's changing the shape of the way that we work with our local community uh, but we still have the national recognition for dance and we want to champion that and continue that whilst looking at how we can build the audiences alongside dance in other genres as well mm -hmm. for the local community too. Is the creation space just for dance? No, so the creation space um, is a double-heighted space, so often we have circus and um, aerial acts coming in to make work as well, um, but it is for all art forms, performing art forms. Okay, yeah. so 
street theatre, for yes, want of a better word. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, physical theatre. And is there any, um, does it develop audiences, the fact that it's homegrown, not, not that the artists come from that area, but that they're working in the building, does that help? Yeah, absolutely. And again, echoing what others have said, is um, the wraparound activity that we try and do um, with all of the work that comes into the main house and to the creation space. We're trying to open up the doors a little bit more so you can see behind the scenes and backstage um, and trying to get that, that voice out there so it's not just... They can't. They parachute in, yeah. leave, and then we don't hear about it again. Yeah. Okay. Can I ask a question um, about repeat attenders? I just. Do you have like a loyalty card or something that? So if people come back again and again, they get discounts. Or do uh, people come back again and again? We don't have a loyalty card, but our audience do come back. Right. So, um, we do actually have a loyal audience for dance. Nice. Those that do engage. And, okay. um, was if I go and watch a, a dance show in our space, I'll recognise the people from previous shows. Okay. I think there is a kind of, um, I don't know, yeah, loyal audience that are willing to kind of come and see what, we've, what we're kind of presenting for them, really. And it's not just an audience made up of people who make dance? No, no. Good. There are <laughs> some members of the audience who make dance, yeah. dance, but they're actually, it's a dance audience yeah. rather, than, rather than dance practitioners. If you want to Great, okay. Yeah. And you guys also? Yeah, the same. I think we, we have a loyal audience which which will come and see things across art forms. Great. So they, we, we don't have a loyalty card for them. They, they are just loyal. Yeah. Um, but we also do pay what you decide. Yeah. So, um, so for our, is that across every art no, form? No, just across theatre and dance. Oh, that's so amazing. Those are the art forms with which we struggle the most for audience. So, um, we introduced pay what you decide just over a year ago. Um, so, so price, if it is a barrier, is no longer a barrier. And how does that work out? Um, there's, there's a sort of figure that's the average that people pay, is that? Yeah, so oh, actually I haven't done these sums recently, but there, so last time I did the sums, it was £6.31 per ticket. And you, and you think that removing that barrier works in terms of who comes? Yeah, um, sometimes it most of the time it does sometimes it doesn't mm. uh, but i think what it what it does do is, is um attract people if they if they are attracted by the theme of a show they'll they'll take a they'll take a punt yeah, on coming to see to it you. um if it's dance um because yeah they don't feel as though there's there's no jeopardy them yeah. there in terms of their ten pounds that yeah, they would have sure. paid um, otherwise, but um, so so yes. Um, at the moment, pay what you decide does seem to be um, quite an effective audience development tool. Mm. But I don't know if long term it is. It just at the moment it it suits. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Yeah. How, how does that work with your relationship with the artist? Are they very happy to be within this pay what you decide scheme, or do you? Do, do they, how do they feel about it? Really? Um, do you know what I haven't? I haven't asked them because for them also there is no jeopardy because yes. I always pay a fee. Mm -hmm. So they're it's they're not their bo their box office isn't yeah. that. That's so that's not affected. But um, yeah, but um, but you're right. I should have that conversation with them. Uh, nobody has ever said after the show when they found out that it was pay what you decide. Um, that they've objected to it. Mm. No, because I've done some pay what you decide schemes outside of our venue, uh, for generally for children's theatre and theatre, not necessarily for dance. But I've had the response back from the artists about, okay, how does this, how you value our work, or how are you getting yeah. the audience to value our work? Yeah, I guess because it's across the board, it's mm. not saying it's. Mm. I'm not picking out particular. Yeah. I'm not saying, oh, it's dance, therefore yeah. it's pay what you decide. It is across theatre dance, um, so. That kind of, I, th I think that probably makes them feel as though they're not being picked. Mm. It's, I can understand that that's a complex issue for some mm. people, but actually, I just think it's amazing. Yeah. I, feel yeah, I, like, I feel like people must be envious of you, Cheryl, that you get to do that. You know, yeah. it's a brilliant offer that you can give your. Yeah, audience. and as I say, it, it is kind of under under constant review. Yeah, if I, I bet. If I, so, and 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 actually observationally everybody does put some we have pink bucket as mm. people come out of the theatre and 
um, everybody does put something in right. and some people put a lot of money in right. and some people put what they can afford in. yeah there's also something in it and rather than putting a price on a, a ticket then then not selling and then thinking later on in that program actually shall we slash the prices yeah, or shall we bring yeah. it down it it places a different emphasis anyway on the value of yeah. the work because you're already saying let's pay what you think yeah. rather than thinking oh we haven't sold, yeah, actually, we need to one. do something, yeah. let's hurry this through. Yeah. Um, and then that becomes the question rather than the... Yeah, rather, yeah. yeah and I guess for us, I, I, it shows that we've got, that I've got a confidence in the work. Yeah, that I, I do actually think that people will pay something yeah, when yeah. they come out of the theatre because usually I've seen the work I programme and I, I believe in it and I, and, I, and I think that people will come out and... Mm and having loved it and therefore will put money in the bank. And therefore come back. Mm -hmm. And therefore come yeah. back. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's talk a bit about your experience of working with artists, independent artists. Um, and as you know, this conversation uh, is open and you are welcome to tell us what's great about that, some great case studies, and also ways in which artists could, could improve that. Um, Vicky, tell us about your experience. Yeah, we're quite fortunate actually. Um, so part of our MPO at the moment is to support associate artists and at-home artists. Um, what that means is they get a year of support. There's four artists that we try to um, work with on an open application process um, across a year. And then we have an at-home artist scheme, which is for a five-year period of that MPO to really try and nourish those five said artists who have applied. So that's part of my new role um, and working with those artists to develop conversation develop work develop um, finding funding avenues um, the one thing that we are always um, a miss on is actual fund seed funding for them and i do think that there's a conversation that needs to be had a bit more about how we can support them um, with funding as well as space in kind um, and as well as the mentoring that goes alongside that mm. Um, but the scheme's been extremely successful and been, the, the associate scheme has been running, I think, for about nine years now, maybe ten, um, in various guises. And each of those individual artists that have come through that programme have always, by the end of that year, found another chapter to the way that they're making work because of the provision that we've been able to offer them. Um, and another scheme that we're now looking at um, more... Um, in depth is our grad lab scheme so we also have a graduate scheme for professional for dancers coming out of local universities so we partner with Winchester University and Chichester University and also Rombert School um, to find the next generation of choreographers and art and dancers uh, and we're able to pay them and actually Southeast Dance is seed funded this year as well uh, so there is a number of schemes we're running um, and the aim is that there, there is a talent development ladder there. So mm. coming from student through to graduate, through to arti independent artist, through to the at-home artist. So there is a real thorough line, um, like a golden thread through that programme that we can offer. Um, there, and, there, and there has been successes then off the back of that for our performances. So the programme that we put into our main house, we're able to then see a return on audience audiences coming because they're invested in the artists that they've then see grow through that year or five year program. Mm. Um, so it, it's it's winning twofold, but it all all needs funding at the same time. Um, and when you say um, to help them with funding, do you mean to give them funding or yes. to help them get funding? So we help them very much with getting yeah. funding. So part of my role is to sit with them and sit with an artist and and look at how we can write funding applications. Uh, we bring in Arts Council for talks and discussions. Uh, we had a, a session not long ago on how to crowdfund, um, and they are all free to the artists to attend. Um, but what I feel is missing slightly is the commissioning side of it. So yeah. we don't have that <clears throat> opportunity to commission as much as we would like to. So that would be a case of you getting the funds in to then give to them? Exactly, yeah. Okay. Great, Ian, what about you? Um, we have a similar thing in terms of, um, we have uh, kind of different levels of engagement with, uh, with artists that we support. So um, at the kind of, I suppose, the base level, we offer um, scratch nights and open call opportunities for artists of all kind of platforms okay. to um, 
at least two, maybe three times a year to come and present so, some work. So that's an open call for artists in the region. I run a program called CARP, which is Civic Artists Residency Program, which is all about process. So we support probably maybe half a dozen, if sometimes maybe up to eight artists across a year, provide them with space, a small bursary uh, for them to use what, for whatever they want, really. Sometimes they use that for seed funding, sometimes it's just for paying the wage. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And, and that, that element, the CARP, is really, it's about process. So I, I'm not, I don't want or need a product at the end. It's more about kind of developing a relationship. Do they support. do a sharing at the end? Sometimes, yes. Sometimes no. It really depends. Sometimes some of those that have uh, run through our CARP program will then present in the scratch if they feel that's right. But it's, I suppose I've been running that now for seven years, but I've learned over that period it's not often kind of good to see there needs to be an end product yeah, really. no, sometimes no, it's no, nice to actually really keep that, that open mm. um, on top of that we have three seed commissions a year so that's up to two and a half thousand pounds which we um, kind of offer out to artists generally regional sometimes that's more national um, and that's really for I suppose artists that are slightly more established maybe one or two shows under the belt and somebody that I'm really keen to develop a relationship with and kind of mm. hopefully long term establish kind of them coming back and back again that sort of stuff um, we also have something called New Work Weekend, where uh, we, in essence we double bill four shows across a weekend, um, and that is hopefully for those that have scratched with us, then come through come through the car process, those that are kind of developing a new practice, and we kind of offer a, a platform to kind of sell, I suppose, four shows across a weekend, try and make it less of a risk for audiences, easier marketing opportunity for our kind of marketing team to try and get people in and see their work. Great. Mm -hmm. Wow, what a range. Yeah, so a little bit. Yeah. That's come from a lot of thought and a lot of care yeah, yeah, and yeah. a lot of time. Yeah. Great. And Cheryl, do you get involved in this? or um, We don't have a formal artist development programme, um, but I have recently acquired a, a studio space uh, which has absolutely no infrastructure whatsoever, but it's a, it's a nice space. It used to be a dance studio, so it's got mirrors and a semi-sprung floor. Um, and so I can offer that out to artists for R&D or rehearsal um, because there's nothing else attached to it that tends to be local artists yeah, okay. and that is across art form. Um, but we have through that space been supporting Folkestone Dance which is a um, relatively new concept. Yeah. It's not an organisation, it's a concept um, and I'm, I'm hoping that that might grow into something else mm. that will be... Um, will we'll also help us with audience development. So, mm -hmm. so there's there's space, um, and sometimes there can be space in the auditorium, and sometimes that can have uh, production support attached to it, i.e., a technician. Um, and and I have in my budget a small amount of seed funding, and it's a really tiny part of my budget. But um, I've been each year I've put a little bit more money into into artist development and again that is across art form um, and that is uh, when I say seed funding it's really tiny and 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 it's just a small amount of money mainly to match with an arts council application or just if someone wants a really small amount of money to pay themselves while they do a week's R&D yeah. but mainly for me it felt important to be able to offer um, some cash match funding for mainly Arts Council applications to people because I think that's always the thing that, yeah. that's missing and I uh, before I worked in venues I've worked as a producer as well and finding that cash match <laughs> was always the hardest thing so so it kind of felt really important to be able to to offer that yeah, it can um, carry a lot more value than yeah. actually how many pounds it is but that like so you know in reality that's five or six artists a year with a really small amount of money mm. and again I, I I tend to favor regional artists but it's not it's not just about regional artists and they they can just be artists whose whose work I think um, would work in our program or maybe work with some of the festivals we do as well okay so um, we've had conversations as you know with artists and producers um, and people are being encouraged to um, to search for depth in their relationships with uh, programmers like you, also with their audiences. Um, first of all, have you had, I mean, there are too many artists, mm -hmm. let's say, and there aren't enough venues. 
there are enough audiences, but it takes time <laughs> to, to get them through the door. Um, have you had to make, have you made, and have you had to make a choice about depth, not breadth, in terms of how many artists you can support? No, many times. Yeah. Many times. Yeah. yeah. So is that your policy then? Let's have depth, not breadth. Uh, not necessarily a policy. It's just, I suppose, it's about what feels right for us at the time of the venue and um, the relationships I'm developing with. People within, I suppose, within the live performance within our venue, I look after all the live performance, so theatre, dance, comedy, service, the whole lot, as well as the artist development. It's just about time, really. Yeah. And um, I don't know an example. Um, I might get a thousand emails a year from artists that are kind of a, a new to me, and kind of there's a hundred shows I can put on a year, so yeah. there's kind of ten yeah, percent people actually can get in the venue, so it's. It's about, I suppose, prioritising to some extent in relationships. Um, and obviously a lot of that will be about actually, are we the right venue for you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is our audience the right venue for the, Is our audience the right audience for you? But um, sometimes it's not that. Sometimes I, I do want to work with the artists. I just don't have time to kind of mm-hmm. specifically work with that person at that time. Mm-hmm. Can I quote you? Yes. <laughs> uh, we asked a few questions, as you know, in yeah. advance of this uh, conversation, and you wrote the following, which was so incredibly clear and useful. I thought you said we program about eight to ten dance performances a year, which represents about ten percent of the program. It also is approximately ten percent of the work that has approached you uh, to be programmed. So, for every ten shows you have each year, there are at least ninety that you have said no to, and you've not, or you've not had a chance to develop a relationship with. It's about our gift. I think that's and that's so, just for this art form as well. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. God, so it's so useful to hear that and so clear. And I suspect that's a bit tough for you, is it? Well, I think so. Yeah, yeah, sometimes it is, but I suppose it is also our jobs, really, isn't yes. it? Yes. Uh, yes. Um, yeah, but it's okay. You're in a safe yeah. space. You're like, <laughs> you're like, you're like, you're like to moan. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> no, I think so. I think um, we're in a similar position in the t- in the fact that we have a particular. Uh, number of staff members and we run two venues uh, across two uh, across multi art forms so we have our sister venue the Berry Theatre as well that that theatre doesn't have an extra team it's it's everybody is in one team and programming across both of those spaces as well as the creation space programming as well Mm. Um, so I think the gift of time is so precious and it's how we as the programmer um, carve out that correct amount of time to be able to invest, um, yes, with the artists that we have bespoke relationships with, but also how we can say um, to an artist that might email out of the blue, which again, like Ian and I get daily, um, mm-hmm. how we respond to those people as well to not make to make sure that they feel valued at, at the same time, mm-hmm. um, but to be realistic with how much time that each individual actually does have within their job role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't sound like it's easy to win that one. No. Okay. No. But you keep plugging away. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. And the, I mean, that's really interesting perspective. Like, that really puts it into perspective, actually. And and also at Creative Folkestone, we, we don't just do performing arts. So um, we we work across five different yeah. projects. So um, Folkestone Triennial, Folkestone Artworks, uh, Creative Quarter, so like a whole village. Um, and um, and yes, yeah, so, and we have one learning and engagement officer who works across all of the projects. Oh, and a book festival as well. <laughs> and and she works across all five projects. So so the amount of her time that I can call upon is is limited as well. So whilst I would love depth, yeah. Um, I I do, and and also I think yeah we do have a lot of companies approaching us about workshops and and doing much more in depth work. But I have to. Yeah, we just have to be really careful about overloading yeah. other members, overloading ourselves, overloading other members of staff. Mm. I, I just can't say yes to all of that. I have to be really selective. Yeah, there are so many doors you have to close or not open. Yeah, um, and that's not through want of, of course, doing yeah. it because you know people approach with really amazing projects yeah. that you have to say no to. Yeah, and that's heartbreaking. Yeah, I bet very frustrating. Mm. Okay, talking about the, the artists that do approach you and that you either can or can't program, have you got any reflections for us about how that is and what you wish they would do? Is, is there anything you could say to them, you know, please be clearer? Cheryl, I think you have thoughts about their visual presentation. Yeah, I mean, and that's not so much the approach 
um, what is it? I, I, I guess, okay, so if I receive, I've, I also receive like thousands and thousands of, of emails and I probably will respond. I will, I will respond to the people I know, to the companies I know, um, and I will res respond to the companies who have addressed me personally. Um, but I also get a lot of emails that have look, look that have gone to lots of different people, so I probably won't respond to them. Okay, note to um, artists listening. Uh, <laughs> and and also, if, so, <laughs> if someone has has clearly had a look at the website and and decided why their work might fit the venue, then I then I will respond. And also something really really wordy. I'm probably not going to have time to read the whole yeah, email. Yeah. And yeah, a visual image speaks volumes. Um, yeah, when I was talking about that, that communicating and using visuals, it was more to once you get to the marketing yeah, okay. side, because you can really love a company's work and go and see it, and it's, it'd be amazingly visual, and you think, I love this, I'm going to book this, and then the print comes through, and, and sometimes it can be a bit disappointing, and okay. you think, oh, they're not they working. Done that. Done <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, so I think that my comment was more to do with the marketing than to do with the initial approach. Okay. But the other thing is, um, I don't know if it's a policy, but we very rarely book the work of companies that we haven't seen. So actually, the first approach usually should be an invitation. Right. And I know that that's not always possible. And you're, you're not always able to go, presumably. I try my best to. I'm sure, yeah. Okay. Anything else that you wish? Um, I could probably add a little to that, um, especially with, uh, I suppose, emerging artists or new artists, or even actually artists that are well-established, but are actually at an ideas stage. I don't think there's anything wrong with actually saying, hi, and we've got this idea for 18 months' time. Okay. Or kind of, a, it's just it's just the start of an idea. Um, because I often find, sometimes I'll receive uh, programming packs, marketing packs, and I'm already programmed. Mm. And I'll be like, oh, wow, that is actually quite a nice piece of work mm. i wish you told us about that kind of 12 months ago or that sort of stuff so i think there's nothing wrong with actually telling us we're at a, an early stage and just be clear that it's an early stage and so we, they're not we asking know, for anything no, they're just, just so we just you. so we know what's going on in the future okay yeah, and, and so the ideal time scale really would be 18 months really yeah. i think it depends on what sort whether you want either seed commissioning support or actually you just want programming but yeah. still even if it's just wanting programming at least 12 months is, is kind of a good time scale for me. Okay. I know the tricky thing for artists is a lot of venues have various different leading times, and so it's going to be always a difficult thing. Yeah. But it's potentially, if you can find out the leading time for each venue, you can tailor who you're going to approach. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. I know you feel an early start is, is good. Maybe. Yes, I agree. I think um, we try as much as possible to be quite transparent with how we program. So our policy, programming policy, is on our website. And again, I echo the thought of doing your research first. Um, so going onto the website, seeing if you're the right artist for the right venue, um, and being able to then have that conversation after reading that programming policy to say, okay, maybe we are right for you. Where's the project and the timeline? And to have those early conversations. Um, I'm in quite a unique position because I'm also a maker. So I, I go out to venues and to try and sell my touring work. Yeah, okay at the same time so, you're so, not full -time. so I'm part-time so okay. I'm four days a week um, at the point and and actually having both perspectives is a really interesting place to be in because I had I have one side of my work life um, on the receiving end of programmers and then vice versa and I think the, the most fruitful things that I have always got um, from both sides is that early conversation and that early relationship building and slowly over time realizing what's right for that venue and what's right for that artist because you're banging your head against a brick wall if you're going to a venue that just can't program you yeah and in terms of developing that relationship is that about them understanding their audience and your audience yes and figuring out how to develop an audience Yes, definitely. That's that's a big part of what of what that conversation has to be, I think. Um, and and also thinking hard around the wraparound activity for that. So mm. at the point we try as much as possible to engage the community before and or after the show as well. And um, that might be 
taking um, dance artists into a school if it's school based, um, if it's work for young people. Um, it could be that uh, that the artist comes in and works with our older adults company that, that come and meet every Tuesday. Uh, but just to pepper that relationship through, across before they come to actually perform their show. Is it your experience that dance artists these days are pretty good at developing audiences? Are they mindful of how their work sits in this way? Are they mindful of who, who it might be for or not? Tell the truth, please. I think on the whole they, they are pretty good. Yeah. I think kind of the sector, the dance sector has been supported quite well compared to other sectors. Oh, yeah. I think certainly compared to, um, I suppose, contemporary circus, it's kind of we do program quite a lot of contemporary circus if I can find the work, but when receiving a, I don't know, info pack from a dance kind of company, you can see it's had there's so much more development within the, within the sector for them. Mm -hmm. really. So I think they're actually pretty decent. And does that tend to be dance producers or dance artists or both? A bit of both, really. I suppose it depends where they've trained as a as a dancer and what kind of support they've had, really. But, um, but there's certainly more dance producers out there than there is contemporary circus producers. I think that um, point on where they've trained and the educational side yeah. of what they have been doing up until they um, become an independent artist is a very important one. Um, we see um, artists coming through who potentially haven't been given the tools to promote themselves as a business as well as um, an artist. Um, and we, within the artist schemes that we run, development schemes, we try to advocate how you would approach a company, how you would uh, write your CV even, you know, at that early stage. Um, and I think there's something to be said for where they're training and mm -hmm. how we can support as venues, how we can develop relationships with training partners to really understand what those artists need in order for them to gain um, the, build the tools uh, yeah. around what they need. To, it's not just about coming in doing the performance and leaving again. Yeah, and I think some um, well-established artists exactly are um, promoting themselves in, in a, and understanding what it needs to have an audience and what it means to have an audience. I think some of the younger artists coming out need to be learning that a little bit more. Okay, so there's more to be done maybe in mm. terms of the educational setting. Mm -hmm. um, and it's clear that if you don't do that, you're not going to survive, isn't it? I mean, there are too many artists. Mm -hmm. So the ones you're going to book and the ones who are going to find audiences are the ones who, I think, right from the very beginning of the process, are understanding it's not just that they want to do this movement in a closed studio. Actually, it's an act of communication. Who do you want to communicate with and how are you going to build the whole structure around it, I suppose? Yeah. yeah. I, and I, I find that actually dance companies and dance artists are actually quite good at finding the connections with schools and doing workshops themselves. Okay. So I think probably across art forms, the, the dancers and the choreographers are, are coming to you saying, oh, I have a relationship with, with this local school, I'm going to call them myself. So, so actually they are, they are doing the, the groundwork. Great. Um, certainly James Wilton did that when um, the company came to us last September. He, he, he had it all worked out, mm. um, and I and I think actually the inf so there is an infrastructure for dance, the dance agencies and the and and the training that they get at yes. contemporary dance school that, that means that they are they are coming out thinking about those things and actually they can connect with the dance agency and so and get some advice. Yeah, great. Well, that's a really good report for dance artists. Now, you've got a report as well. <laughs> uh, as you know, we've spoken to them about um, you know, how it works for them in terms of developing relationships with programmers, not you guys specifically, I hasten to add. Um, and there were a couple of points that I'd like to pick up on there. Um, I suppose the biggest, and you'll be familiar with the tension around this, is that people, there's, there's a great discomfort around when you go and see a show, do you feedback on what you thought about it, or when is the right time to do that, and how is the what is the right way to do that? Um, and and uh, the artists and producers that we've spoken to in this season of podcast, but also across other parts of my career, I hear artists sort of begging for a bit more honesty um, and a bit more clarity. Look, look, love, I'm not going to book it. It's not my thing. Good luck. Um, but of course, I imagine that you as nice, sensitive human beings find that quite difficult. What, what's your take on that and, and how, uh, 
how is that tension for you? Should I start? Okay, I, I'll be honest, I find it difficult sometimes saying no to artists. Obviously, they put in a lot of work into their work, and it's their passion, it's their livelihood, their life. Um, so it is hard occasionally to actually say, no, that's not going to work for us. I do try and say that. Sometimes I might think, actually, that show could work for us, but it's not going to work now. Mm -hmm. um, or it is actually up against another three that could work for us. So occasionally in the past, um, subject to kind of, I suppose, artists' funding kind of cycles and criteria, I've actually said to, said to artists, like, uh, yes, I'm interested in your work as long as it gets the funding, but I'm also interested in another two, company, another two companies. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not pitching them against each other, but I'm just trying to be honest to say, look, yeah. you might not get your funding. They might not get the funding. That third one might. And it's just finding the right piece of work that sits within the, um, within the program. So there's a big balance with that. Um, I probably should say no more often. Um, maybe I'll go away and do that. Okay. But and the reason, the reason you don't is because it's awkward and you care and you're well, sorry and you want yeah. to say yes. It's, it's, it's their jobs, isn't it? It's kind of like uh, people want to make a, a career out of this and kind of I don't want to kind of stamp on that career. I think if we had, a, I don't know, a bigger venue, not in terms of scale, but um, in terms of more staff, more space, bigger audience, I think there's scope to put on more work. But it's the yeah. Yeah, that's life, isn't it? And kind of, and as as I said briefly at the beginning, dance is only one element of our program, so there's only a certain amount we can kind of put in there. There's a very small slice of pie available. Indeed, yes, so, yeah. yes. But yeah, it's it's hard to say no. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's not always a really good reason, other than I have limited resources and I have this amount of companies who who I might program and I not chosen you but it's really hard sometimes mm. to put your finger on why that is and it isn't because you don't like the work and it isn't because you don't think it's brilliant but but actually at the moment it's just not fitting mm. the agenda or you know actually it's just really hard to say why that's information in itself maybe you know it's not fitting the agenda or i'm not really able to tell you why it's just that on this occasion it isn't you yeah. <laughs> maybe that's something you know or, um, or maybe you develop six sentences yeah. that, you know, like the Arts Council did, loosely, it's because mm. there were better <laughs> shows. Mm. I don't know. Mm. It, that's a hard one as well, because receiving that information, is that going to help you as an artist? Um, receiving the, well, it's just not right right now. Would that be more helpful than um, just a straight no, it's, it's not, not for us? Um, and it's really hard. It's so hard to know how to reject people on a, on a social level anyway. Yeah, um, how do you reject someone for, for something that they've built um, from their heart and from the passion that, that, that drives them? Um, and I don't know if we have one particular answer. I think getting back to people quickly is one answer. Indeed. So if you're if you really know that it's just not going to work for the program um, that you're putting on, then don't linger on it. Or sometimes I've probably been um, party to lingering slightly longer and thinking, oh, I'll just get, I'll get on with this bit of work that I need to do and then get back to this person. Because I know in my head it's a no. Mm -hmm. And actually what we should be doing is saying, well, if we know that for sure, 100% certain, let's just get back to them as quickly as possible. Yeah. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah. I think actually I'm guilty of not saying no immediately and saving up my no's. <laughs> so having a whole afternoon of just <laughs> doing no's, yeah, yeah. that isn't being kind to myself. Yeah. Let alone the company. I suppose, <laughs> so. yeah, I agree with you. But I think sometimes you actually want to give more feedback than just a straight no. Yes. And that kind of, that might be why we're actually waiting to actually find some time to actually say, let me let me give you some feedback, yeah. rather than actually just a straight no. However, I have seen work in the past, uh, up in Edinburgh Festival, for example, where I've seen the work, I thought, well, that wasn't very good in terms of quality. So I've responded straight to the company that, no, I'm not interested mm -hmm. to book it in the future. Are you able to offer a conversation um, about why I could offer very well, good for I, you? For that company, I didn't, but um, I could, I suppose, if, if they'd come back to us and say, well, why? Yeah. And I'd have probably said, well, I didn't think it was good enough. I, I don't think the calibre was there. And they say in what way? Well, then that becomes a, a tricky kind of a conversation because I'm not a dance practitioner necessarily. I'm kind of um, a programmer, so I can kind of see it compared to other work. I thought it was not as good. Yeah. And I want to provide the best experiences for our audience. 
you know, nobody wants to hear that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, in terms mm -hmm. of supporting the development of artists, doesn't mean you're right. No. Um, but it, but it's probably useful for them. And, mm -hmm. and I think, yeah, there is a kind of call to say, look, please <laughs> be honest with us. There, mm -hmm. they are great big adults, and they are professionals. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe there's the case that you can develop systems together. So maybe, I mean, obviously you can only go so far with this, but maybe a company can say to you, we would really like your they can make a statement, we want everybody's feedback on the night, or we're not looking for feedback on the night, we'll be emailing you or whatever, mm -hmm. just to get some clarity around it. Because I think the thing that's really difficult for people is when they're avoided. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand that. Um, and that, you know, as you well know, this isn't just their professional life, this is their whole heart yeah. <laughs> on a platter on the yeah. stage, and that the damage that can do in terms of mental health and the confidence they need to have to go into the next day talk to their next programmer etc that can have massive impact um but of course i can't i'm not speaking for everybody so it's just maybe, maybe it's about being you developing a policy or them developing a policy and somehow trying to find out it's interesting it. just talk, listening to you talking there we we try to provide a lot of feedback for the work in progress that we see and we are um, often advocating advocating the Liz Lerman technique, critical mm. technique and response technique of how to give feedback on an um, unmade piece. But actually, now thinking out loud, we don't offer that same offer to somebody that's then coming and saying, I've got a show, it's yeah. ready, I've, or I've seen it and it's not right for the venue. And actually, maybe there's something to learn from how we give artists feedback at early stages of their work yes. and how we can then infiltrate that into when the piece is there and ready, yeah. um, that we're not jeopardising the work and saying you need to change this, that and the other at that stage, but we're actually saying to them, this isn't right for our venue or we, we don't like the work because of, but it's, it, it definitely has to be sensitive. Um, because it, it is um, crushing if you hear something um, that you have worked so, so hard on. So there's something in that, I think, to take away from. Today. I think there's something more crushing about not hearing anything yes. because, of course, they can be vulnerable people and they'll fill that gap with all their worst fears. Mm -hmm. Not that you had a train to catch, <laughs> uh, not that you've got too many animals, but that, that they are not worthy of this mm -hmm. conversation, which I think is really difficult. And yes, um, they also talked about uh, email reply times, um, which, you know, best all in the world. I know it's difficult, but actually, I don't know if, if, if any organisations have a policy we endeavour to reply within. I think there's probably a lot of different policies out there. I think we, if we have one, I've probably set it and I'd probably break it, I'll be honest. I, I more than likely do. Yeah, um, something to work to, you know, yeah. it's, all you can do is try to Indeed, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think generally... A fortnight I might get back to somebody. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes yes. it might be straight away, other times I might have it in my I well, my kind of back catalogue of things I need to do mm. and completely forget. Mm. And that happens. Yeah, mm. of course. To all of us. In my head I've got mm. ten days mm. um, as ten. a as a reply time. But um I I've just recently came back from um a two and a half week Christmas break and it took me two weeks to catch up on my yeah, email yeah. so so yeah I broke I broke the 10 days rule okay um, I think at the beginning of the year so <laughs> yeah. I, very well. yeah. I think as uh, just leading on from that as well is is I try to with any artists that I'm uh, speaking to um, face to face and giving them advice on how to connect with programmers um, I'm they are always surprised when I say a programmer will have at least 200 emails in their yeah. inbox plus if they've gone on one week's leave and and that is that that how that takes that amount of time to get back to people and mm -hmm. i think artists are shocked when they hear that yeah, because that's not what their world is yeah. um, and actually that the reality of the world of a programmer is we get the the amount of the, these amount of emails through mm -hmm. on a daily basis but having a policy within our own organization is key to then replying to yeah, people. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. that it's stated somewhere. Yes. Yeah. And maybe that they can see. Mm. Once again, I, th I think it comes back to time. So yes. um, yeah. with all the artists that we support within our artist development program, whether it's open call applications or kind of a, or anything with that, I will always respond and give time to, to people that have actually written, I don't know, to join a scheme or something like that. But then Finding that time equally for all the, the stuff that's just out there, wanting a gig is, is so hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
Okay. Um, well, you're going to keep plugging away gratefully. Mm -hmm. You know, we're grateful for that. Um, um, and actually, uh, Ian, as you've talked about, the dance sector isn't doing badly. No, it no. does get support. The infrastructure is there. I mean, it's, it's not as we wish it would be, but it's certainly not as bad well, as others. Look at this now. Yeah, look, here we yeah, are, yeah, chatting yeah, the yeah, chat. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you feel excited about, just to round us off, about the way in which uh, independent artists are responding or the way in which the sector is diversifying itself? Or, or, or actually not, you don't have to end on a positive note. You can end on any <laughs> note you like. I, I think, personally, that what's really exciting is the conversations continue to go and continue to thrive. And voices like this in the room and podcasts like this are championing dance and um, we need to remember how passionate every one of us is regardless of which hat we're wearing at what point um, and there are a lot of initiatives out there um, to be able to develop the sector even further than it already is mm -hmm. so I would say that we're, we are all the champions of what we're doing and we do just need to share a little bit more yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I feel really optimistic about about introducing a dance program okay. um, it's done much better than I thought it was going to so um, yeah I'm looking forward to supporting dance artists more and maybe doing more development work and and not expecting the big finished show um, so I th and, and I think that the dance um, community is kind of up for that so yeah that makes me feel excited brilliant Oh, I'm just excited about a good programme of dance that we've got coming up. Yeah, great. Okay. Listen, thank you so much for taking part in this. Obviously, we all believe that conversations are, you know, how, how we progress there. I'm really grateful to you for coming and for your honesty in these conversations. Please carry on. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this episode of The Culture Chain. We'd love to hear your thoughts on all we've discussed. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Southeast Dance. Thanks for listening.